KDT. I just want to take a moment to thank all of you for being a part of our celebration as we got excited about the one year anniversary of In My Shoes, the podcast. Today will be the last of our celebratory episodes. It's me and another group of my tribe members talking about a few things that have been going on in the world over the last few weeks, and you'll find out what they've been up to. As always, we have a lot to say, and I know you're going to enjoy it also wanted to take this time to invite all of you to go over to our website www.inmyshoestoday.com and sign up to be a part of the in my shoes community we have a newsletter that will be debuting full of exclusive offers and great information just for members of our ims family and if you happen to listen to us on itunes go ahead and rate and review so that others will be able to find us and join the fun all right guys let's get to it Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It's a podcast for women of color where we talk about what we're going through each and every day, y'all. And I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson, and we are still celebrating a year of In My Shoes, the podcast. And I told you I'd be catching up with members of my tribe. So this is part two. I have Janine Grays and Maureen Green James on the line with me today. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves again so you can get reacquainted and then we are going to get to chat. And so G, why don't you start? Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much for having me on and congratulations. I am so, so proud of you, Karen, and in my shoes. I can't believe it's been a year. (laughs) Um, But definitely, um, hey to everybody out there. Um, My name is Janine Grace. I am the founder and owner of Cook, Pray, Slay, and I am super excited and so proud of my girl to be here after a year. I was one of the, along with, I believe Maureen, I think we might've done one of the first In My Shoes episodes. So I'm Mm -hmm. very honored to be here today, but I'm really looking forward to just digging into today's conversation. Thank you so much, Maureen. How about you? Hey, Karen. So, hey, G, it is good to be back. And Karen, congratulations. I am so proud of you. It is nice to have been on this ride for you all of this time and to continue to be here to engage in conversation that is, you know, all geared towards, you know, how we're helping out our women, our sisters, whatever it is we want to call them, right? But how we are all in this together. So um, for everybody out there, hey, nice to be back with you. So Maureen Green James, I am the founder of MGJ Speaks, which is a consultancy that really digs into the business of helping women um, in their careers, as well as helping them to figure out where they need to pivot next. So it may not necessarily be something in their day-to-day career, but something that they want to do you know, outside of their nine to five. And so helping them figure out what that looks like. Um, I was excited about having the opportunity to launch that last year and share that right here on In My Shoes. And now I am back. So Karen, thanks for having me. G, always good to talk to you. Can't wait to catch up during this conversation. Thank you very much, ladies. And it's funny, G, that you mentioned it. You guys were the actual very first episode. So we did a four-part series on colorism. Um, And that's very interesting because um, it's part of what I kind of wanted to talk about today. So we're going to just be catching up on what you guys have been doing over the last year. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about how colorism can really circle right back into the conversation we're having today. So before I get into that, I just want you guys to tell me a little bit about what you have been up to this past year since we started In My Shoes a year ago. Maureen, how about you? What's been going on with you? So 
Oh boy, what hasn't been going on, right? Over there with everybody. So let's see. So in the past year, again, I mentioned, you know, I started MGJ Speaks, um, you know, had the opportunity in the spring to host a fabulous conversation with a few of my sisters. Um, and we called it Cocktails and Coaching. And it was really an opportunity to hear from other women around how COVID um, has impacted them in terms of their livelihood their families, their friends, as well as their overall work experience. And what it did was really bring women together to have that shared common dialogue and also help them to recognize they're not in this alone. And so that was great. It was really almost like the blossoming of really um, MGJ Speaks. And I did that in collaboration with a good friend of mine who's also named Maureen um, and a, uh, an executive coach herself of an organization called Aspire to Lead. So moved on from that. Um, had an opportunity to do some um, additional podcasts around where we are in this time as it relates to all things that happened after um, Ahmad and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Um, had lots of conversation around where we are today and what is it that we need to do to be in a better place tomorrow. And engaged in conversation with people around the fact that where we are today is we need to really take up the mantle of understanding and helping people understand how do they move forward from this place in time. Um, and then I also changed companies. And so I moved to a new organization where I now have the opportunity to lead um, global diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And so that has been exciting. And let's see, um, family's good. Thank, good, thank goodness and thank God for all of that. And I hope everybody out there um, is the same. I'm wishing the best. And wow, I think that's that's pretty much a good, pretty much a good summary of all that. That's a lot, yeah, girl. I think that's, it. that's a lot. <laughs> it, it is. And keep in mind, you know, there's all that stuff in between all that I said that I'm not even saying because, you know, I would take up the whole time. But yes, it's a lot, but it's all good. It's all good. Thank you, Maureen G. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, you know, same here. It's been a really, really busy year. You know, when I look back, I can't believe, you know, gosh, I believe this week actually marks an exact year for me as far as uh, working from home and just a complete shift um, for our family, along with so many other families, um, just in day to day, you know, so our lives changed this week last year. <laughs> Um, but it has been such a year of growth. It's been a year of um, uh, pivoting as well. Um, so this time last year, I was just starting um, my business, Cook, Pray, Slay. Um, Cook, Pray, Slay started as a blog and just kind of a creative outlet for me to share my quick and easy recipes with other you know, busy moms and busy families out there. And it has just really grown into um, a, a great community of people from all over, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of the work. But this time last year, I was just really just getting in, digging into what exactly I want to do with this platform. Um, and so just to kind of see a year later where we are, um, it's, it's growing and I'm learning so much and, um, you know, God is continuously opening up 
doors and opportunities for me to share this passion with with um, other women and other families out there is really just a blessing. So, um, you know, that's been going on. Um, like Maureen said, I too have changed companies. Um, and so that was another blessing for me because I my career has actually pivoted in the sense of, you know, uh, this time last year, I was with um, a firm that, you know, I, I was considered a, a senior level some would say C-suite level uh, marketing professional. And I found myself working around the clock, um, working like a dog <laughs> in a very uh, male, white male dominated uh, industry. And um, COVID happened and it was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I've got three children who are e-learning. Um, I have a, a husband who has a very demanding job how is my family going to, to fare with this? Like this, and um, an opportunity came came about um, with with another company. And I tell you what, I prayed for that because I just didn't know what I was going to do in my previous role and how I was going to be able to support my family and be there for for my for my kids, you know, and my husband. So anyhow, long story short, I changed companies. It was the best thing ever. Um, it afforded me to be able to, you know, work from home, still be a respected and um, valued member of a team. Um, and, but still have that balance. And so I'm doing that. And it has also allowed me to, you know, kind of focus a little bit more on my career and those are uh, my business and my goals and taking care of my family. So, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I, I can go on and on, like Maureen said. But um, you know, other than that, uh, I'm, I too feel very blessed. We've all been, you know, healthy and just been staying as safe as possible. Um, you know, so we're doing the best that we can. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that uh, brings us to the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about. Um, obviously, if you last week we kind of focused a little bit on COVID, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it this time. But did want to get your take on your feelings about the fact that when you look at the numbers, most of the time it's women who have had to leave the workforce to uh, stay home with the family, right? To take care of the kids, like what you were saying, G, with the type of job that you had and your husband also had a demanding job, how in the world were you going to deal with kids who were e-learning? Because not every company was, you know, um, considerate of that. You know, sorry about your luck, but I'm gonna need you to be here tomorrow at whatever time. So why do you think that is? And what do you think is going to happen over the next few years as, you know, we hopefully get more people vaccinated and then COVID is one of those things that you talk about for the history books. And now these women want to re-enter the workforce. What do you think that's going to look like? How difficult you think do you think that will be? And gee, since that's a decision that you were faced with making, um, how did you decide that you would be the one? And what do you think is going to happen going forward as women decide that they want to try to get back into the workforce? Hmm. Wow. That's a great question. Um, you know, I don't know if there was one particular thing that just, you know, I, I think it was just, and I don't know about everybody else. I think this might be the case with so many other families, but it was just, it was kind of natural, you know, being that, you know, we as women, and I'm not saying, you know, uh, 
the guys don't feel this too, but we as women all, I mean, I, I started thinking that way um, immediately. Okay. How are we going to sustain this? I mean, I've got <laughs> an elementary age daughter, you know, who will be e-learning and I have a new freshman and, <laughs> you know, and, and a junior in high school, you know, um, but I was really concerned about my elementary student. And so I just immediately started thinking something's got to give. And I knew at the time it probably wasn't going to be an option much for my husband. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know what it is. It's just that initial like instinct of we are women, uh, just the, the, the mother bear just like my instinct just kicked in like something's got to give and I got to do something I've got to I got to do something now <laughs> or else my kids are, are going to suffer you know um so you know we kind of dealt with that but I think you know in the future you know women in general moms you know in general we have taken a big hit on the career front with with this COVID I mean we really have um but I'm really optimistic. I think it's going to, uh, I, I'm just going to be honest. I don't want it to go back to normal. I, I, I don't want to go back to normal in a sense of, okay, you know, like we're all going to go back to these offices and we're, I, I just don't, I, I've gotten a taste of what this is, you know, having the ability to, you know, um, still do my work and still be a valued productive member of the team but at the same time I've been able to slow down I've cut out just me alone I've cut out maybe two hours of commuting you know um and I can take that time now and really just however I feel like I need to be spending it with my kids or you know cooking together with my kids you know now we have the time to actually sit down and eat dinner as a family you know um, you know, just things like that. So I think I've, I've been seeing companies now going to more um, thinking about, I know mine, for instance, is thinking about going to like more hybrid models of what that looks like, you know, whether that's, you know, you're going into the office, you know, once or twice a week and the rest of the time you're spending working at home or um, just new remote opportunities coming about from this. And many um, businesses have experienced actually an increase in in production so why would we go back to how it was you know maybe let's let's look at this and figure out how it can work for everyone so i'm i'm hopeful and i think it'll get better but you know it's we've taken a, a pretty big hit and women in particular have and we we've had to you know face all of these tough decisions so yeah i would love to hear what you guys have to say about that too because i know i'm not the only one in that boat yep Thank you so much for that, G. Maureen, how do you feel about it? What do you think is going to happen as women try to re-enter the workforce? Um, and is it just in our nature that we feel like we're the ones who say, hey, I'm going to take the hit? Do you think maybe families look at it from whoever's making the most? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, as G said, it's a really good question. Um, I really do think that women are going to, I think at this point in time, they're almost being forced, and that's probably not the right word, 
but they're being they're being encouraged to really think about what at the end of the day makes the best sense for where we are at this point in time, right? So here's the thing, for the better part of a year, they have been at home working um, more than likely on camera and doing all the things that they have to do just to, you know, have a normal work life going on. But they're also taking care of others at home. They could be caregivers of elder of elders or they are taking care of their children. And if they're taking care of their children, um, that also means that they are schooling. So now there's also that other part-time job that has been heaped upon them in addition to you know, really, you know, holding down, holding down a job. You know, a, re- a recent uh, Fortune.com article said that 40% of mothers compared to 20, 27% of fathers have added three or more additional hours of caregiving a day to their schedule. That's a lot, right? When you think about it, it's 15 more hours a week, and which is what? The equivalent of a part-time job. So they're doing all of that and then doing their full-time job. And so I think when I say that they're going to be forced or encouraged, I think we're at a pivotal point where people now really need to start to think about those things that you, you said, Karen, which is all around at the end of the day, um, where is the um, highest amount of inco- income coming in from? Is it you know from who in the family is bringing that in? And how is that going to be used to, you know, take care of our daily lives, take care of school and the kids and the food shopping and the house and the bills and all of those other things? And does it make sense for whoever owns that, whoever that person is, to be the one that stays in the workforce? It could be that it's the, the, the female, you know, in, in the house. And if that's the case, then she continues to work and maybe now the roles are reversed. So I think that I think that if nothing else this year, COVID has really given us the opportunity to really um, examine the roles of parents and caregivers in a household. I think it's also given us the opportunity to think about where and when people could be doing more and or less to help make all of that work seamlessly together so that the balls keep on moving. Everything keeps on on moving um, as seamlessly as possible. But as we move forward into 2021 and the world tries to come back to some sense of normalcy, there will be um, the thought process around, hmm, do I really want to go back into an office or do I kind of, you know, enjoy working remotely? There will be people thinking about that there will be companies thinking about that because they are also impacted by what their work constructs are going to look like, um, what their real estate is going to look like in terms of where they're going to spend their money. Is it on office space or are they going to put that that money more into investments for their clients, investments for their employees? So there are so many things to think about as we move into 2021 and hopefully get this world back to some sense of normalcy. But I think it's going to create an opportunity for roles to be looked at very differently and to change along with that. I agree with both of you. I think that for me, 
Um, I know I've had that thought. And like you said, Maureen, businesses are thinking about it. Our company has already started putting out um, little surveys to see. I think it's going to be difficult to say, hey, we need all of you guys back in the office when so many of us have been able to work from home. And for the most part, businesses have continued to flourish and flow. So hopefully, um, and I hadn't even thought about it until you said it, G, for some people, they may decide, do I really want to go back into uh, that environment uh, when I've had this opportunity to spend more time with my children at home to have more of a work-life balance? And I tell you, the side hustles are real that people have started uh, while we have been um, dealing with the pandemic. So there's that also. So some people may find joy in that. Um, So I just wanted to get your take on that as we talk about a few things that have been going on over this year of In My Shoes. And another one um, really centers around the fact that you guys were a part of that uh, first discussion we had on colorism. And believe it or not, I thought of you guys when I was watching the interview with Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry, when she talked about the fact that uh, her son, they were questioning his uh, skin color and what his skin color would be. And um, I thought that it was very telling because it reminded me of what black folks do all the time. You know, a baby is born and you know how they talk about the ears and (laughs) whether or not you could tell what color the baby is going to be. I mean, some of that is born out of the fact that in this country, we make a real big deal over skin tone. So just wanted to talk a little bit about if you saw that interview, if you've heard about it, and of course, then we'll get into the firestorm that happened afterwards. What were your thoughts about that and the fact that people were curious about what this child's skin color might be. And before um, I get you to answer that, I think we have one member of my tribe that's able to join us. Willow was having a few technical difficulties. Willow, are you there? Hi. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? We can hear you, Willow. I'm excited. So we'll have you uh, wait in on this question and then catch us up on what you've been doing. So really quickly again, um, as I watched the Meghan Markle and the uh, Harry interview, and she disclosed that um, they were curious about the color that his skin may be her son, even before he was born. G, I'll let you go first. What went through your mind uh, when you heard that part of the interview? We all saw Oprah's face. Hoban girl, you could have like popped a golf ball in her mouth as wide as it was open when she, um, the look on her face. So what, what, what went through your mind? Yeah, they've actually made memes out of Oprah's uh, facial responses uh, during that interview, which I think is hilarious. But um No, um, I wasn't surprised, to be honest. I mean, as disturbing as it sounds, you know, yes, it's just like, wow. But at the same time, it's like, are we surprised, folks? Like, (laughs) you know, um, it's just very disheartening. Um, And that's just a peek at at that. I mean, it, it happens every day, you know, with the you know, so many families and, um, uh, you know, it's just, I I hate to say it, but it's just, it it didn't surprise me at all. You know, that, that entire interview was just, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know guys. I'm kind of at a loss of words because it's like I said, as disturbing as it is and, uh, disheartening, it's just also just speaks to so many things that we've been talking about just on this podcast alone <laughs> this whole entire year. It's just, it, it, it just never fails, you know, it, and this is the, uh, the Royal family here. So it, there's just, 
generations upon generations. It's just, this has just been going on since the beginning of time. And so the fact that they're contemplating and wondering how dark the child will be to me is just like, okay, this is just something else. Unfortunately, I know it's really sad to feel that way that, you know, this is kind of like par for the course, which is really sad in 2021. Uh, Maureen, what about you? Yeah, uh, I so. Oprah's face was mine. Priceless. I was like priceless. Like, are you for real? And but Megan's face, there was this look of. um pain like she was reliving it all over again and so there was this whole look of pain and suffering on her face as she was telling the story as if like she was hearing it for the first time all over again and I I have to say that I I was surprised I was just like are you kidding me like really like we're, we're still doing this but Karen it goes back to the point that you just said um which is that in our community, it's still an issue for us. So if it's still an issue for us, why on earth wouldn't it be an issue for the royal family? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I just, I, there was so much about that whole interview that was just like disturbing. And, I, and I've and i only seen the second hour. I, I missed the first hour, so I gotta go back and find that. I've only seen the second hour and then bits and pieces of what I've seen of the first hour on, you know, morning TV shows or whatever. But it was enough for me to just be like, I am so happy that I'm kind of happy that they they left and they're doing their own thing and they're going to forge their own way. And um, I'm looking forward to the voices and the conversations that the two of them and their family are going to continue to stir not necessarily in the UK, but here in the US. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying there, Maureen. Um, that was such a great way to put it. If we're still grappling with it in communities of color, why would we think, I guess in my mind, because she is of mixed race, I just never thought, you know, not, I wasn't surprised in the sense of, oh yeah, they asked a question. I guess maybe just that that would even be one of the first things you would be worried about. Um, Willow, and you were also a part of the um, colorism discussion because we also talked about how it impacts and how it is in the Hispanic community. So what did you think if you, when you saw that or when you read, you know, reports if you didn't get to see the interview of the royal family, not only asking, um, oh, what color might he be, but almost like it was going to be an issue. Like what were they going to do if he were a darker skinned child? Honestly, um, I would say that I wasn't surprised that they were wondering what color this child was going to be because I believe that the, the English monarchy is living in ancient times. Um, you know, to put it, to put it simply, they, um, they didn't, you know, they didn't accept Diana into the family because she was poor. So why would they accept someone of color? Um, so I, I simply was not surprised by, by the comment and the things that, um, you know, they have had to endure um, and the choices that they've had to make. Um, and I believe that the choices that they made for their family was the correct choice, although it may be um, difficult because uh, they're not living in that 
privileged world anymore. Um, but I think that it's it's for the betterment of, of their child and their family and their future. I think so. I mean, to have to be, you know, um, raised with that and, and, and to be there, you know that they were wondering about the color of your child's skin. And then I thought it was interesting, the number of people who got bent out of shape, you know, about they didn't take the royal photo the way Princess Diana did and, and Kate and all of that type of stuff. And you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You, you're wondering about my child's skin color. And then there was the whole title thing, but you mad because I don't want to take this picture. Um, and the, the British press is, br- I mean, they are brutal brutal they are horrible uh, they really are yeah. um mm-hmm. much more i mean i thought we were bad here in the us of a but they are a hot mess over there um so you guys definitely have a good point that um and when you bring up diana just really briefly to talk a little bit about the one part that i think um you, not that we've missed but we haven't talked about as much and then we'll really get into all of the firestorm that happened after the interview but i thought it was really sad and telling that it was it mirrored you know and he always talked about re- history repeating itself the fact that his wife was having suicidal thoughts and she was worried about harming herself and um, wanting to go somewhere to get help. And if you recall the bombshell, as they call it, interview his mother did, she talked about the same things uh, of wanting to commit suicide because it is such a public scrutinizing type of life that you have to live. So uh, w- when when she said those things that, and the fact that so many people kind of want to dismiss that, um, how did that make you guys feel? Willow, I'll let you start. I would say that, um, you know, it, it was hurtful for me um, because I believe that um, Megan was trying to live in a world where they wanted her to be seen in the shadows but not heard. Um, and I, I, interestingly enough, I was watching a um, a show this morning, and they were interviewing Megan, and it, this was when she was still in the states and. And she was talking about the fact that women have a voice and that they should be heard. And then they, they cut back to the interviewer, um, you know, to the, to the press in England. And they said that that's simply not the way things are done in the English monarchy and that she needed to know her place. So I was taken back by that um, because what does that mean exactly? Know your place. We all have a place in life, but what does that mean for her being part of that royal family? So it, it was very hurtful for me. Um, and, and really uh, just, um, you know, it was discouraging because I think that she was trying to present herself in a positive light, not coming from that life and not really... Um, knowing what the, uh, the, um, protocols were. So, you know, I, I thought that she, she did a good job while she was there, but I could, I could definitely see how she could spiral down the rabbit hole, um, you know, and, and get to a place of, of contemplating suicide because she was being, um, negated at every, every turn. And it is true what you say, Willow. It's almost like 
when a woman says that, you know, we have a voice and we should be heard, it's almost taken as some sort of, I don't know, it's like we're being combative, you know, it's like you're not supposed to speak or whatever. And so, you know, when people say a woman should be heard, it doesn't necessarily mean we're, we're going to be, uh, there's going to be dissension, but that we all have a voice and we should all have an opportunity to use that voice. Um, and that definitely didn't seem to be something that they really uh, warmed up to over there. Uh, Maureen, how about you? When you heard that part or, or, or read some of it, what were you thinking, um, especially in the dismissive way some um, kind of, you know, dealt with it? Yeah. So I, I'm with Willow. I mean, I was just like, like that, that can't possibly you don't, you can't possibly actually believe that. And, you know, one of the things that I, I think is great about Megan is that none of this, so before the firestorm, she hasn't really changed, right? She has always been um, a voice and a huge advocate for women and for women actually having a voice and having a say. Um, and I was, I personally was looking forward to her bringing that platform um, to the UK where they clearly need it. And I think that they really looked at the strength and her power in that space and tried their best to diminish it um, to the point where she was now beginning to feel like is something wrong with me. Like then she was, you know, she was really beginning to feel like she, she, you know, had some, mental health issues. She was trying to get help. She was trying to get it addressed. But even doing that um, was for them, in their way, a woman speaking out too much. Them trying to silence her, them telling her, you know, you can't do, you can't reach out, you can't see someone because, you know, it wouldn't be good. You know, it wouldn't be a good look or whatever terminology they used. That's another, just another way of silencing her. So I'm I'm with I'm with Willow that um, there's just the whole fact the whole notion of thinking that in 2021 that you should actually think that you're going to tell a woman you need to be quiet you need to not speak you can be seen but you definitely can't be heard is absurd it's it's completely ridiculous and so like I said earlier you know I'm just looking forward to her you know, getting back to herself and continuing to use her voice and to um, elevate that platform for women, because I really do feel like 2020 has put us in a place where now more than ever, women need this. We need it. We need to hear it. We need to see it. And we need to see it from all walks of life. It doesn't have to be just the, you know, the, 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 the elite and the duchesses and all of that. It just has to be someone who's actually saying that to another woman, another woman taking a woman or a young girl by the hand and saying, mm -hmm, you coming with me because we're going to talk about this loudly. You will not be silenced. Thank you so much, Maureen. Uh, G, how about you? Oh, I totally agree with what Maureen and, and Willow said. I don't know if I can add any more to that. Um, but, you know, it, it was very obvious their expectation of Megan was basically just, I, I heard someone say, uh, shut up and curtsy, <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 to me, it, it's been such a missed opportunity for the monarchy to really just, you know, um, engage other audiences and, and, and different types of people and, and women and children and what, you know, 
people of color, you know, just, it was just a perfect opportunity. And with Megan and, and everything that, you know, she stands for, and uh, like Maureen said, you know, she's very much into women's rights and uh, in her own right, she has done um, so much um, in her career, um, you know, and, and just, it just would have been such a really great opportunity. I was really, really looking forward to, you know, where just the changes that, you know, she could have potentially brought about, you know, within the monarchy. And, um, you know, so it, it was just, I think they did the right thing. I think they did what they had to do. Um, I think a part of it was surviving, <laughs> was a survival thing. Um, and I just, I mean, I remember the wedding. You guys remember that? I mean, that was such a great, yeah. I, that mm -hmm. was such a great moment, you know? Um, but to see where, where we are, you know, today from that moment on, it's just, it's very sad, you know, it's very sad, but, you know, I think, you know, they're still going to, um, you know, they're, they're going to have a, a great life They're Regardless. I mean, it's awful what happened, but they are still in a, place of privilege and i think they have a platform and um i think they're going to do good with it so i'm just looking forward to seeing you know um how how this is all going to turn out for them but i'm i, I think they're going to do some really good things so I think they will too. But, uh, you know, for me, I will say that I was never a big royal watcher. So like my sister, Amber, loves all that stuff she watched when Prince William got married and the movies that came out. But I will say that when um, Meghan Markle uh, got engaged to Harry, seeing that there was going to be this uh, person of color, I really, I watched the wedding and the story, um, you know, the little uh, biographies they had about them because it was like, wow, we're going to have, you know, a new perspective. And when you look at all of the commonwealths that are a part of the British monarchy, they have a huge population of people of color. And so, you know, it's like the Bahamas, Barbados, Belize. I mean, you know, they have a, a large population of people of color who I think were also excited because it was a chance to see someone that they could kind of relate to. And so, again, I think it was a totally missed opportunity while we worried about the color uh, poor little Archie might or might not be um, instead of really embracing this opportunity for uh, change and to be brought up into the, you know, my God, just make it into the 20th century. Why don't you um, much less the 21st century and having her there. So I think it was definitely a missed opportunity. Uh, and then there was the fallout after the interview. And this has been one that has really irritated me. I'm actually working on a blog post for later uh, but, you know, just to paint this, this, you know, the scene. So Piers Morgan, who has a huge issue with her after the interview came out, just completely dismissed anything she had to say. And then a day or two later, Sharon Osbourne, who's a um, co-host on The Talk and she's married to Ozzy Osbourne, tweeted um, her support of her friend for, you know, that's their new phrase, speaking his truth and freedom of speech. That's another one they like to throw out there. And then she was immediately shocked by the backlash she received. And when she brought it up on the talk show, two of her co-hosts, Cheryl Underwood being one of them, tried to have a conversation with her, not calling her racist, but asking her what would her comment be to people who felt like that you're giving him a platform by supporting him in the comments that he's made that have not been appropriate can you see how that would make people feel? And it just went left from there. 
um, you know, why, how she made comments that no white person should ever make. How could I be racist about anybody or anything? I mean, she just, her voice got shrill. She started cussing. I mean, it was a hot Richard miss. Uh, so what were your thoughts about what happened in that exchange and uh, why it is that you think she totally missed the point? And, you know, this whole, oh, freedom of speech, you could just say what you feel. And why can't it be that he just doesn't like her? I mean, it was just, there's so much to unpack in what happened there. Maureen, I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't actually see this. And um, neither one of those two people are favorites of mine. So whenever they do have anything to say, I, I pretty much ignore them. Um, but when it, because I knew it was connected to this whole issue of, of Harry and Meghan, wherever I, you know, whenever I did see it on, I would pay some attention. I saw the footage of, you know, Pierce storming out. Um, and what I would say to answer your direct question around, you know, why did she think that she could respond in that way? Um, I, I really do think that they in, in the UK really believe um, that they are quote unquote better than that. And they are a little above the rest of the world in terms of how they think and look at people. Um, and I'm not speaking about Pierce because I don't think he thinks that. I think he genuinely does not like her and may even genuinely not like people of color. That could be a whole other conversation. But as for this woman, I think that she really does think that they are above all of this. And um, there's this allegiance to the monarchy that I think if, if whatever, whatever horrible thing the monarchy could be doing at any given moment in time, I think that the majority of the people will always be there and stand by them first. They'll always take um, their side of it first before they take anybody else's. And so even if at some point in time the truth does come out and the truth really is that there was this conversation about the color of the baby's skin, um, and even if that truth may tie back to um, the queen or to William or Kate or whoever, no one will actually say, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. I am, I am shocked. I don't, I don't support that at all. I think they will all, however, think, oh, well, I guess it did happen. Well, let's move on. I just don't think that they will ever get to the point of actually um, owning it in any way, shape, or form. And the visceral way in which she responded is, I'm sure, the way many of them have responded, um, and, and, you know, in Great Britain. And I think that that is simply because they don't know how to really take a deeper look at the monarchy for the misgivings that may actually exist there. Thank you for that, Maureen. Yeah, I think that there are blinders. It's just easier to pretend like, oh, this isn't happening. Um, you know, very much so. Yeah, just we're yeah. just act like, oh, we, yeah, or we'll deal with it privately. I thought that was that was interesting. So somebody accused her of bullying unnamed sources, and we're going to open an investigation. But she is now saying that she was, you know, 
there were racist comments going on and we're just going to handle that privately as a family. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Right. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Willow, what did you think of the backlash and, and the firestorm afterwards, especially, you know, here's, I'm with you, Maureen, it irritates the living daylights out of me. I thought Sharon Osbourne was maybe a little more even keeled, but uh, Pierce, that is a, he's just, he irritates my whole soul. So Willow, Hot what about you? Mess. Yes, he really Hot is. Mess. He really is. Willow, what, what did you think? I, I did not catch the interview either, but um, I can say, you know, being someone who comes with an HR background, that um, we're going to do our investigation means that we're going to do nothing about it. We're going to sweep it under the rug and we're just going to say that we're going to investigate um, just so that we appear um, as doing our due diligence in public. So I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's just a hot mess um, and no one's going to win in this case. And, you know, people are afraid of speaking against the, the monarchy. So um, they're going to keep their mouths shut and just keep it moving, um, you know, as as Maureen said. So, you know, I just think it's, I agree that it's a hot mess. I just love you, Willow. I'm just going to flat out tell you what <laughs> we're going to do our own investigation means. It means we're going to do zip, zero nada. <laughs> you just, you just put it out there. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, I, I love it. G, how about you? I don't know if y'all are looking at the chat. I am, I just, girl. I saw you amen in it. I saw you. Willow is so right about that. Um, but no, I, I I completely echo what what you all are saying on this. And it's just, you know, again, I go back to my, my first initial comment. Are we surprised? Because <laughs> I know I'm not. And I'm just going to be real because... I know, Karen, you, you brought up the whole thing with um with uh, Sharon Osbourne. And guys, I don't know about y'all, but that I watched it back for the first time. I watched it, um, what's today, uh, two days ago, and I was triggered. I was triggered. <laughs> Karen described it to me, and she said, you have to go and watch the clip. You've got to watch the clip, G. And I watched it, and it was 10 times worse. And it, it just took me to a place, guys, that I just, I, I became very angry because as a black woman in, you know, corporate America, that has happened to me. That same exact situation where Sharon just goes just bananas, <laughs> completely bananas, you know, and Cheryl had to be the ultimate professional because she didn't have a choice. It's either that or you stoop down to that level and you find yourself without a, without a job. And so it just took me somewhere, guys. I, I, was just, I, I was just so triggered by the whole thing because it's just typical of what happens to women of color is that we can't afford to, I mean, if she went to bat and she, she is continuing to go to bat for peers. And if that means you show you're behind in the workplace, so be it. And, and what gets me is that she's going to walk into that studio <laughs> and she still has a job, you know, and we're just going to, you know, like CBS said, we're, you know, we're looking into the situation and we're, you know, 
I just want to know what that same grace be extended to Cheryl had the tables been turned. And that is, I know, right? Just put it out there because so true. And uh, Willow just put it in the chat and I was actually going to bring that up and ask how you guys feel about that. It, to me, it speaks of white privilege. And I watched a clip uh, from um, E.T. from Entertainment Tonight. And this guy, this white guy, I don't know whose book he read or who he's been talking to, but I wanted to high five him. He was saying that, you know, because everybody talks about how poised and calm Cheryl was. And he just flat out said it because she had to be, because had she stooped to that level, she would have been the angry black woman. She would have been the aggressor. I mean, Sharon went, she went in, she started cussing. You know, at one point you could tell Cheryl was emotional, um, like teared up because this is a woman that she had thought of as a friend. Oh, just don't start with the tears. I'm the one, you know, she's the victim. Uh, and it was, it, it, if you have not seen it, it will take you somewhere that you should, you, you should never go. And Willow, I wanted to ask you, I think I want us all to, to weigh in on it, but I know that we talk about it a lot for black women, that if you were to stoop to that level, you would be the angry black woman. But in in the Hispanic culture, is that also um, a stereotype? You know, you get upset and then there is a name that's given. If in the Hispanic community, we talk about it a lot for black women. How is it? Is it the same in the Hispanic community? It's like, I got to be calm because if some jump off, I'm going to be the one wrong. If I if I show the same emotion and aggression that this white person is showing to me. Oh, absolutely. Because um, I will tell you that in the Hispanic culture, if you you know, if you act out, then you're the, you know, you're the crazy Hispanic and you get comments um, such as, you see, that's how those people act. So, you know, just like, you know, we hear the, the angry black woman, you hear the um, crazy Hispanic woman who has no education and does not know how to comport themselves in, you know, in public uh, or does not know how to um, how to approach a, a, um, a criticism or a, um, in, an incident in a educated and calm manner. Which is definitely what I think this conversation could have been had she not shown her behind, you know, if she hadn't shown her tail, it really could have just been a conversation about, Hey, this is my friend. And I don't know him to be that way. And she, you know, Cheryl, and I think the other young lady's name is Elaine. Cause it, the younger uh, Elaine, the younger uh, woman who's on there, I think she's a journalist. You could see when she checked out, it was like, let me shut up before I punch this winch in the face. You could see the moment when she just said, I'm going to shut up now because she is going someplace that this conversation wasn't even meant for. So I agree that it could have been a lot calmer, you know, a discussion, even if they disagreed. Um, and how do you guys feel about, you know, the next day the show went on and like, nobody said a word. It was almost like, Oh, we disagree. Like we did yesterday. And we move on. like no real conversation. We're just going to keep it moving. Like this didn't, she didn't like verbally literally just attack this woman on national television. So what are your feelings about that? Maureen? Yeah, <laughs> that's always really funny how they do that to me because you know that deep down inside there's some other stuff brewing and before they come out of their dressing rooms, they have to talk themselves, talk to themselves in their head to say, Woosah, be calm. Don't let me have to beat somebody down in front of the cameras today because all that happens. I am sure all that happens before they actually walk out there. And then, of course, they have to act like everything is just, you know, everything is all good. But there were some, I, again, I didn't see it, but, you know, heard and saw bits and pieces. 
there were some things that were said that were that have created some wounds in whatever kind of relationship they had before that conversation. And they are wounds that will probably stay there for a long time. Um, there is certainly um, the wound of, I wish I could have gone off like that and said what I had to say and what I wanted to say, but I can't because I would be, as you'd said, you mentioned Karen, seen as that angry black woman. Um, so I, I, I think that there's, um, there, there's certainly going to be some moves that may have long lasting impact from, from all of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a conversation that's going to stop. At some point, it's, it's going to return. And I think that it was definitely telling, um, you know, that she felt like because he had never made, you know, he didn't call it an N word. What has he said that was racist? And I thought Cheryl's point that it's about not just what you say, but when you are dismissive of a person who says, hey, I've been discriminated against. Hey, I'm having a mental health crisis mm -hmm. that you are contributing to uh, this racist atmosphere just because you didn't use racist language. You're still contributing to it. And I think that was the part that uh, Sharon definitely missed. G, did you have a, a comment as well? No, no, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm actually um, amening everyone. Um, you know, it, it just really showed me that uh, Sharon, you know, she wasn't even trying to receive anything that Cheryl was, was trying to explain to her. It's just, she was just in a place of just, just absolute, uh, girl, I, I can't even think of the word. I'm, I'm, I can't even think of the right word, but she was just enraged and completely dismissive. And it's like, wow, if you would just take a step back, relax and try to receive what it was Cheryl was. I mean, Cheryl even went to the point of saying, look, you know, I prefaced this at the very beginning. I don't want people to get the idea. You are my friend and I don't want anyone to come away with this thinking that I am calling you racist. That's not what I'm saying. But think about it. it, it she, she was really trying to explain it to her, but it just, Sharon wasn't trying to hear it. And she was completely closed off to having a two-way dialogue with someone that she calls her friend. And to me, I, I see that so much. It's just, oh, y'all. I'm sorry. I just, I, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm really just having a really difficult time because it played out on TV what happens every single day, you know. And I, I kind of go back to the episode, Karen, you had with um, uh, uh, the, the author of White Fragility because that's what really what we saw on live television. We saw the whole world saw it right there. Yes, ma'am. It was white fragility in it. I mean, that was a that was a case study in white fragility and <laughs> in, in white privilege. Maureen, you had a comment you wanted to make? Yeah. So um, so what G said is so spot on. And here's the thing. We are living in moments like this. They're happening more and more often because the whole Sharon incident is really no different than the Chris Harrison incident with The Bachelor. Right. Because. That woman was really trying to tell him. I think her name is Rachel. I don't watch The Bachelor, so I have no clue. But I think her name is Rachel. And she was really trying to explain to him why 
that woman going to that party dressed up in, you know, as Southern Belle, you know, in that period of time, that there was a, a problem with that. And his response was, well, was it a good, is it a good look in 2018, but not a good look in 2020? Like, what does that, what does that mean? So it is, it is the same thing. And he was, you know, lashing out at her in the same way that Sharon was doing. They were basically both being Karens for no reason whatsoever. Okay. Just listen to people, have the conversation, and maybe you just might learn something. But Sharon didn't create the opportunity for that to happen, and neither did Chris Harrison. I just want to say, after this incident with Sharon Osborne, can we change it from being a Karen to being a Sharon? Because my name is Karen, y'all, and I, I, well, I you know, yeah, we but just you know you spell it differently, so that's why. Oh, is that what it is? It's okay because I spell it differently. Because every time yes. I'm being a Karen, I'm like, Lord Jesus, my name will never be the same. Father. Yes, I almost want to be Darlene. I just go by my middle name. I'm Darlene. I can't. <laughs> Can we just say they're being a Sharon? Cause baby, we'll say you will say they're being she, a Sharon. She was being a Sharon, like for real, mm-hmm. for real, for real. <laughs> My name is never, and I bet you, you know how they do the baby names. Karen is not going to be a baby name that's popular for quite some time. No. Thank you very much. No. Okay. Well, we are officially changing that to Sharon. Thank you. You're going to be a Sharon. I yes, appreciate we are. I, I really appreciate that because it's very stressful. It's very stressful. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit because I didn't get a chance to really uh, talk with you guys about, um, you know, it's been a very eventful year in more ways than one for women of color. And we have our first vice president. She is female and she is a black woman. She's also of Asian descent. How did you guys celebrate? Were you glued to the TV? Because I was, my supervisor was like, okay, here's your assignment for today. Watch the inauguration. I mean, people everywhere were excited. Willow, did you, were you glued to the TV? How do you feel about this, uh, this moment in history that we've had the chance to be a part of and witness? I was so excited about it. Um, I will tell you that I was glued to the TV. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was a little saddened because there wasn't, as much pomp and circumstance as in the past, you know, where um, the place would be full with people, um, but it was still a very special and um, just heartfelt moment to see um, not only our Madam Vice President, but also all the people of color who participated um, in that inauguration. It was just amazing to me. Maureen, how about you? How did you spend that day, inauguration day? Oh, I watched it. I was, I was in awe. Um, and you know, I was working, but you know, you had a block time on the calendar for that. And I agree with Willow. It was just special. I too missed the pomp and circumstance. Cause I love the whole, I love all of that. So I like to see it from beginning to end. And even though I missed it, it was still special. It's still going to be a great part of history for me. Um, Amanda Gorman blew me away. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's a long time coming. A very long time, very long time coming. G, how about you? Same here. Um, I was glued to the television, of course, with my laptop in hand working as well. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't not watch, you know, um, and it was a really great moment because I had um, some time to sit with my daughters 
and watch as well, you know. Um, and it was just a, a really, really great moment to have. I agree with you guys. I also enjoy the pomp and circumstance that comes with it. But it, it was just such a historic moment in every sense of the term, you know, like, and it happened in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> and so to see it all, I mean, yeah, it, it was just a really proud, proud moment. Like, you know, Maureen said, uh, it's just been a long time coming. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the guests, Amanda Gorman. I, I enjoyed um, I, I just enjoyed watching it and I just beamed with pride and I'm still beaming with pride. I'm still beaming with pride. So I'm really excited, um, you know, to see um, actually all of the diversity um, in, in this administration, to be honest. There are uh, so many firsts, guys. And so that to me is just really just it, it's it's really exciting to watch that so um yeah it's it's a good time in history I'm, I'm glad my kids were able to catch some of it and um it just makes me very hopeful yeah I'm hopeful as well and I I really miss you know the entire thing like you Maureen I love watching the, the balls they would go to afterwards and I know some of it was due to COVID obviously you had to be really careful and I appreciate that they really came in as an administration who's going to be true to that. And even though this was his moment and it was history, you know, he, Joe Biden has run for president multiple times. We have the first female woman of color as the vice president. So if ever there was a time to party, but they were true to the fact that, you know, this is still history and special, but we need to be as safe as possible. Um, I was also sad and I would be remiss if I didn't um, ask as we get ready to wrap, but uh, you know, part of it was not just COVID, but it was also the insurrection that took place just a few days prior. And as you watch that unfold, I'll go first and tell you, for me, it was uh, probably one of the saddest days um, for me in, in my lifetime. Um, you know, it ranks right up there with 9-11, with where we lost so many lives, the number of people we've lost to COVID. Those have been really sad days for me. And watching as people stormed the Capitol and blew, blew out windows and they sat at Nancy Pelosi's desk and put their feet up. They were just disrespectful to this thing that they claim they, they love so much and did not want to take responsibility. You know, when they were when it was said it was Trump supporters, it was, oh, no, that's not us. But when there was rioting as it related to Black Lives Matter and there were people and we all know that there were people who were planted to do things um, to kind of get our minds off the real message. Oh, you know, you can't separate yourselves from that. But you guys want to separate yourselves from even though they were chanting Trump, they were there to take over and, and make it right for Trump. It was just really one of the most painful things I think I've ever witnessed. Um, in my lifetime. And so Willow, what did you think seeing that and the fact that so many people wanted to now distance themselves from, oh, this isn't about Trump when they had it all over their faces and signs plastered? Uh, it was, for me, it was disgusting um, to see that. Um, I never thought that I would live in a world where that would take place because the last time that something like, like that happened was when Lincoln was in office. So, you know, we like to say that we've come a long way, but the question is, have we really come that far? I don't think so. 
Yeah, seeing that, it, 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 it really makes you feel like we've taken more steps back than forward in many ways. I mean, on one hand, we're electing the first woman vice president and woman of color, but at the same time, my God, look at, you know, what, what happened just days before that? Um, G, how about you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I just think of, think of that saying, you know, the chickens have come home to roost because I kind of feel like it was coming. And, um, you know, just after four years of just having um, 45 in the office where he has continuously stoked those flames and he has just, you know, uh, he's, he sympathized with um, white supremacists, white supremacy groups. Um, he has just really given a platform and, and folks feel emboldened now. So, you know, it just, th that day was, I agree with you guys, um, Willow, you described it, but I was disgusted. I was disgusted that this is where we are, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to say that it was all Trump, although he, he, he woke something up in this. It, it's all, it's been there, but I feel like he is given those hateful people um, a, a chance to, uh, to uh, like all of that has just like surfaced, bubbled up to the surface. And um, yeah, so I just, that saying is like the first thing I, I thought about, wow, chickens have come home to roost. And this is where we are in this country. And I'm looking at a full on like coop, you know, attempt at a coup right now. <laughs> and this is America and this is, this is happening in the United States of America, you know? So it was just, I was just absolutely disgusted. I was sad. Like so many emotions were running through me, you know, just watching that. So, um, you know, I just, I hope we never see that again, guys. I mean, I just, it, it, it scared me though. It really did. Because for a while, even after that um, incident, I was just so anxious like and, and kind of afraid that, okay, what's going to happen next? What are they going to try next? You know? Um, so, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it, it was just really, really just sad and just unbelievable, unbelievable to watch. Yeah, sure. there were a lot of discussions that, you know, they were going to do that in state capitals as well. So I, I was I was a little freaked out for uh, several days after that. I was like clocking my son and husband like y'all need to come straight home from wherever you are. We don't need to make no stops like I, I was a basket case. Maureen, yeah. uh, how about you? Yeah, it, it's the same. And, you know, um, G, to add on to your point, um, it's almost as if they are the, the feeling has always been there, right? I think that the overall intent to um, get to this place that they got to on that day has always been there. But this guy, the previous president, um, gave them permission to be like, oh, so, so hold up, we can actually, you know, make some noise. You know, did, did he say meet us down and meet him down at the, at the Capitol? What are we gonna do? What we got planned? And I really think that people, um, 
they really looked at and I, and again I agree with you it's not all it's not you know all him but I think people did hear his voice um, and his words and utilize that to really just wreak havoc and created a place where this country looked like other countries that we've seen outside of the U.S. And so for us, you know, for people who are um, in the U.S. as well as other countries who were looking at us, we were unrecognizable. People didn't know. People were, like, were just like, is this really happening? Not just in the United States. Is this happening in Washington, D.C.? Um, so like both Willow, Angie, and you, Karen, you know, it was disgusting. Um, but I think it was um, certainly a reckoning and people feeling like, you know what, we can, we, we have been given permission to, uh, to do this. And I don't think it's the last time, and I hate to say this, but I don't think it's the last time we'll see something like this, um, which also scares me, which worries me a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think so. It's almost like they're a little too quiet. You know, it right. was like it was like all of this, all of this, like you, you know, commotion, and now they're a little too quiet, and and God only knows what they're planning. So I, I like you. It, it does worry me a little bit um, about what what may be to come. But whew, all we can do is pray about that one. I don't want to end uh, with us worrying about what may or may not happen in D.C. and all over the country. So I want to know what you guys are looking forward to and have planned for the rest of 2021. So, G, how about you? So, um, yeah, so I'm excited for 2021, guys. Um, just have a lot of plans as far as um, continuing um, my path and my entrepreneurship journey here. I am having a, a really, really good time, um, you know, but I really just look forward to, to growing in every aspect um, of my life, whether that is, you know, on the personal side of things, career-wise, um, business-wise, just really just, I'm, I'm very encouraged. And um, from a larger standpoint, um, I know these uh, vaccines are coming out. So I, I'm actually very excited about that. And the minute I can get a vaccine, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, so um, I've just been, you know, um, I, I've been a hermit and I'm ready to, um, as much as I, I've been loving working from home, I do miss my friends. I miss y'all. I miss seeing you guys in person. I miss going to dinners. I miss doing all of that. So I'm really, really just um, hoping that we can get to a place where, you know, um, we can obtain that herd immunity. Is that the term? Is that the correct term that we're Yeah, <laughs> herd immunity. That's what we're looking for. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I have a... Um, I've got a daughter who's going into her senior year, guys. Pray for me. Pray, pray, pray for me. Pray hard for me. Um, so, you know, just supporting my kids and, um, you know, just living life and just, you know, kind of trying not to get too bogged down with um, the things that I can't control and really just make every day the best day that I possibly can 
um, because it's, like I said, I, I'm, I always try to remind myself I'm too blessed to be stressed. And so all this stuff that's happening right now, all we can do, Karen, you said it right. All we can do is pray. <laughs> but in the meantime, I, you know, I'm going to just try to make the best out of what I can and just keep, keep making it do what it do y'all. That's all I can do right now, but that's, that's it for me. <laughs> Thank you for that G and Willow. How about you? And you can tell us a little bit about, you didn't get to do that earlier. I know you got married during the height of the pandemic. We didn't get to go. We had, we had plans. We had dreams and hopes too. And COVID just would not allow us to be great. So um, tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a newlywed and what you are hoping for, for the rest of 2021. So I am um, on April 4th, I will celebrate one year of being married. Um, COVID did put the kibosh on the celebrations, but you know, the, uh, the nuptials um, did take place and you know, we have been happily married for almost a year now, um, together nine years. Um, and uh, you know, I am just looking forward to getting back to life. As G said, um, as soon as I can get that vaccine, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, and hopefully we will have more time to spend with our friends and family. Um, I will continue to grow in life and work. Um, I have actually, during COVID, I actually became certified in Zumba um, at the encouragement of, of TAM. And so um, I'm going to start teaching Zumba virtually here in a couple of weeks. Um, I've been doing some, some test runs and, and they seem to be going well. So I'm hoping to get the crew back together um, and get us to doing Zumba once a week, even though we, we can't see each other physically. Um, and, uh, you know, just um, enjoy life. And, and, and as G said, you know, I'm too blessed to be stressed. So I'm just gonna keep moving forward. Um, and I just became an empty nester. My my daughter just moved out with her partner um, to her first apartment. So uh, they are getting settled and my husband and I are, um, you know, enjoying the fruits of, of being empty nesters uh, once again. Empty nester. Wonder what that's like. I'm kind of like a quasi. Can you be a quasi empty nester? Oh, I, don't I don't know if that's a thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's he, you know, he lives, my son lives here, but you know, hey, except for raiding my fridge, he's pretty self sufficient. So it's kind of like that. I do like the feeling of being able to pick up if Ron and I, I mean, we're not really going anywhere now, but if my husband and I want to go for a walk, or whatever, I don't have to worry about, oh, we can't do that because, you know, even when my daughter was older, I had a special needs child. You just don't leave a special needs child unattended. You just don't. So I am enjoying that. So I can I can relate to that part. Maureen, how about you? What are you looking forward to for the rest of 2021? Yes. So I think all of the, some of the things that both Willow and G said around, you know, getting back to some semblance of enjoying life. So getting the vaccine and just being able to pick up and go and do um, whatever, whenever. I've kind of been um, a little bit of a, a, herb, a hermit in, in this phase. And I've also become even more of a, uh, a germaphobe than I was before, which is not necessarily good. Um, and so I really, 
I recognize that I need to get back to some sense of normalcy just so that I stop driving everybody in my family crazy. And even if they don't tell me that I am, I know that I am. But I'm also looking forward to um, my son's graduation from UF later on this year. That will be very exciting. Um, looking forward to, so last year we were supposed to go on vacation to Vegas. Obviously that got canceled. It was a family vacation, so we've scheduled it again for this year. Hopefully it'll work sometime in late August. So looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to getting, um, making some movement with MJJ Speaks because interestingly enough, I'm getting a lot of calls and emails around people, you know, looking both for career counseling as well as um, some doing some keynotes on diversity and inclusion. And I've been turning down a lot of things simply because I don't have capacity, but I also recognize that the gift is actually the things that are coming my way and I need to make sure that I am doing my best to recognize the blessings that are coming my way and act upon them. So I've got to focus on that. And then, um, you know, everything else is just really related to making sure that um, I'm living a good life and I'm, you know, doing the best that I can every day with what I've got and recognizing that every day may not be good, but hey, there is some good in every single day. So uh, I'm looking forward to 2021. And G and Willow, you all are doing some amazing things. Willow, so excited for you. Didn't know that you got certified. So kudos. Congrats, G. I know what it's like to have a senior. I will be giving you, sending you all prayers because you will want them. Um, and then Karen, just so excited to be part of your one year anniversary and this journey with you and looking forward to the rest of it with you. Well, thank you guys so much for being my guest today. Poor Janine. This is just her first go around. She has a long time before she's an empty nester. I'm going to give her prayers. She's going to need some Tylenol for the headaches and she's going to need some tissue for the crying because once you get her over the finish line, you're going to want to boohoo cry for so many reasons. Oh, and you know I'm a crier. Yes. And I bless your heart. I already know that. So I'm stocking up on the really soft puffs, you know. So it'll be real soft on your face and everything when you go to boohoo crying, bless your little bones. <laughs> so thank you, ladies. Willow, I'm getting ready for Zumba, girl, because, you know, I'm a, I don't need some COVID pounds or whatever you call them. Yeah, I, I, I have picked up several of those. <laughs> oh, yes, I have the COVID-20, so I'm, I'm ready. Girl. girl. You, none of you are alone. Girl. No one's alone. No, I think the refrigerator just calls you. It's like you eat because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to eat. Because I don't have anything else going on. <laughs> so just eat. But <laughs> thank you so much, ladies. This has been a wonderful conversation, just like with the last uh, group of my tribe. We've been on here over an hour. It's easy for us when we get to talking. So that's all the time we have for today. If you have anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, as always, you can hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Again, that is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. Remember, Karen, we're going we're gonna to retire that and make it Sharon so I can go back to Sharon. using my old name. Yes. <laughs> Until next time, guys, I just hope you all have a great day and be blessed.